Well, we just sang about praying, so why don't we act it out as well? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, our loving Heavenly Father, to you be all honor and glory and power forever and ever. Lord Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you to uh, enlighten us, to open our eyes to see what it is you say in your word, to open our ears to hear what you have to say to us, and we need you to open our hearts, Lord, to receive the words that you have for us this morning. Oh God, we are, we are humbled by your presence with us. And Lord, we need you. <clears throat> and it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, some of you uh, may know that when I was younger, I spent some time in the Canadian Armed Forces and the Reserve Force. And uh, during this time in my life, I learned a lot about myself, uh, most notably that I can push myself much further than what I had originally thought. And I think that's probably true of most of us, is that we can actually go a lot further than what we think uh, the limit is. And one of the experiences that taught me this happened during my basic training. And, and a few, uh, we, we were out for in the field for a few nights on a field exercise. This is at kind of the end of the course when they're testing all of the knowledge that they had imparted on us. And, and so we spend a few nights uh, out in the field learning what it looks like to move and attack as, as like a cohesive unit, how to defend a position, how to just live outside. And then a side aspect of this training is also sleep deprivation. Um, because by this point uh, in the exercise, we had been outside for probably three, four days and had a total of about five hours of sleep over those days. So we were pretty tired. And uh, at this point, uh, there we were. Uh, it was the middle of the night. We were uh, in our trenches that we had dug and we were defending our position. And so it's the middle of the night. And, and because uh, they wanted to keep us up, they kept sending people to, uh, you know, attack us. Uh, and so that enemy force would come and attack and, and then we would have to all wake up. And, but we, because of that, we always had to have somebody on watch. And so it was my turn for watch. And it was the middle of the night. And I'm kind of just trying to stay awake uh, and not fall asleep. And, and just kind of off behind and to the side of my position where I was, I see a figure approaching. I just I see movement. And so I look over and there, sure enough, there's a figure standing there. And so I called out at this figure, you know, halt, identify yourself, right? Because it could have been somebody from, you know, the good guys, uh, but it also could have been somebody trying to attack from that side. And so uh, I, I called out at them. And, and and so they stopped, you know, dead in their tracks. And then uh, they just kind of stood there, frozen. And so I called out again. Uh, at this point, they dropped to the ground, right, just kind of prone to hide in the long grass. And so I kept calling commands, you know, escalation of force, trying to get them uh, to comply with what I was wanting. I may have even fired a couple warning shots. Don't worry, it was just a training exercise. We just had blanks in the... Uh, in, in, in the rifles, but, uh, but it was, you know, to, to try and simulate, and, uh, and nothing happened. There was no response. And, and so I kind of, through the rest of the night, kind of kept my eye on this spot, uh, 
but nothing, nothing more happened. And then sun, the sun came up, and, and dawn came, and the, and the sun rose, and I looked to that spot, and what did I see in the, where this figure was that I had called out in the middle of the night? It was a tree. So, so in the darkness, I had called, you know, I halted a tree, I shot warning shots at it, and I could have sworn it ducked, <laughs> okay? Because this is what darkness does. It distorts our reality, doesn't it? Darkness distorts our reality. Think about it. We get freaked out at night and in dark rooms because we think that there are things there that are not actually there because darkness distorts our reality. And friends, our world, this world that we live in is in darkness. It's in darkness in that it actively chooses to move away from the light. Like forest creatures who refuse to come within the light of a fire, right? They hang in the shadows so as not to be touched by that orange glow. Our world is in darkness. But we can take heart because the dawn is indeed coming. The dawn is coming. See, at Christmas, we celebrate the coming of Jesus into the midst of that darkness, don't we? How he shines his light into a dark world. And his light, it continues to shine on. His light continues to shine on through his church all over this world. And that is a beautiful thing. As, as his church lives in community that is shaped by the gospel, this is what Solomon, I think, ultimately meant when he wrote in Proverbs 4, verse 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And the light of Jesus growing brighter and brighter uh, in this world through his church shining brighter and brighter until the day when he returns in full splendor, in full glory, in the full light of day. And what a glorious day that will be. But since we're still here now, we patiently wait his return. We patiently wait, longing for his return, seeking to be his light in this dark world, seeking to be his light by living in community that is shaped by the gospel. This is why we've gone through our sermon series on the one another's of scripture, looking at what it means to live uh, the love of Jesus as we interact with one another, right? As we interact as followers of Jesus, seeking to be the love of Jesus to one another. And today, on this last Sunday of 2021, we'll conclude that series by looking at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, and what it means to live in fellowship with one another, looking at what it means to live in gospel fellowship. Gospel fellowship. And what I mean by gospel fellowship is this, is that it means being right with God, having a relationship between us and God that is made right, that vertical relationship and the horizontal the, that we're right with one another. So gospel fellowship is being right with God and being right with one another. And brothers and sisters, this can only be done by living in the light. 
by living in the light. And so if you haven't already, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 1. And here we have a letter. Here we have a letter that was written by the very same John who wrote the gospel uh, by that name, the fourth gospel. It's the very same John who walked closely as one of Jesus' closest confidants and friends. And he's writing to a collection of churches. And to those of you who are well-versed in the Bible, these are likely the same churches that were mentioned in the book of Revelation, which was also written by John. There's the seven churches that are mentioned there. There are churches that are in Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey, uh, which John oversaw and he led and he encouraged on a regular basis. And in, in writing this letter, he tells us up front that he has a very lofty goal. The purpose for writing this letter is a very lofty goal, and he mentions it here in verse 4. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy, so that's our as in, as in his and theirs, and then also our joy may be complete. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Listen, that what John is going to say in this letter is meant to elicit way more than just temporary happiness. It is so much more than just the the pleasures that this world can produce. His goal is complete, all-encompassing, everlasting joy. Friends, do you want this joy this morning? I know I do. Now, let's listen to what the Lord has to say through John to us today. And so if you're able, I'll invite you to stand with me as we worship God by, continue to worship God by reading his word. I'll be reading from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. This is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You may have a seat. Friends, we live, we live in gospel fellowship by knowing the light and by walking in the light. We live in gospel fellowship by knowing the light and by walking in the light. And so, that gospel fellowship is lived in the light. The gospel fellowship, being right with God and being right with one another, can only truly be lived in the light. And, and when, when it's lived out, it shines the light of Jesus into our dark world. When that gospel fellowship is lived out, it shines the light of Jesus into a dark world, getting brighter and brighter until full day. But before we live the light, we first need to know the light. Before we live the light, we need to know the light. So, so look with me, if you will, at verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him. This is the apostles heard from Jesus and proclaim to you, his readers, to us today, that God is light. 
God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. What John is saying here is that God himself is light. He doesn't bring the light. He doesn't turn on the light. He doesn't flip a switch and and turn on the light. He doesn't move a slider and turn these lights on and off. God is the, the light. God is the light himself. And this is a theme throughout Scripture, Right from, from creation, you know, in the seven days of creation, we see that, that the light comes on the first day, but the sun doesn't come till the fourth day. God is the light. We see it in the Exodus account as the people of God are, are, are being led from Egypt, right? They were led by God as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so that he could light their way. And we see it ultimately in, in the book of Revelation where, where when the new heavens and new earth come, it says the sun will be done away and God will be our light. God himself is light. And it means many different things throughout the stories of Scripture that God is light. But I think there's two key ideas that we ought to consider this morning. And the first is this, that God is light means that he has all-encompassing knowledge all-encompassing knowledge. He knows all things. And for the theologians among us, this is what we mean when we say that God is omniscient. There's not anything that is not known by God. Brothers and sisters, we can take heart in this. You could be here this morning and you're thinking, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows exactly what's going on. How could they possibly know? I haven't shared it with anybody because I'm too ashamed to share it or or I'm too afraid to share it of what they'll think. Nobody could fully understand what's going on in my life. Maybe you feel that this morning. Nobody could possibly understand how I'm feeling, what's going on. He has all-encompassing knowledge. God sees you. He sees you this morning, and he knows exactly what's going on. He knows. God has all-encompassing knowledge. You see, the flip side is also true. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're thinking, I got away with that. Nobody could possibly know what I did. I was the only one there. I'm the only, and I, I covered it up so well, nobody could possibly know. God is light. He has all-encompassing knowledge. He sees you. He knows. That's terrifying. And it's even more terrifying when we consider the second aspect. The second aspect of God being light that I want to consider today is that it means he is faultlessly pure. He has all-encompassing knowledge and he is faultlessly pure. In other words, there is no blemish whatsoever. He is so perfect that not a speck of imperfection pollutes him. This is, and it's difficult for us to fully comprehend and understand this reality because we have no frame of reference for this. He He has no imperfections whatsoever. Maybe the closest thing, one of the closest ways we get there is in these microchip labs where they manufacture the microchips that are the brains behind almost everything that we use 
today, right? These are, if you've seen pictures of these labs, you know that everybody in them wears these, you know, white suits with full respirators and there's negative air pressure and you have to go through like air chambers to get in there because they can't have even a speck of imperfection get into these microchips because they're dealing with such tight tolerances. But, but here's the thing, before I came on full-time here at the church, I worked for a company doing purchasing of things like microchips. And while most of them are very good, we still got imperfect ones. We got ones that didn't work because we cannot fully get to, imp- to, to complete perfection. We can't get there. It's the closest we can get, but there's still imperfections happen. Friends, not so with God. God is light, which means he is faultlessly pure. He is faultlessly pure. In him, there is no darkness at all. Look at what the text says at the end of verse 5. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But what that means is that no imperfect thing can be in his presence. No imperfect thing can stand to be in his presence. It stops being in his presence. And if you have ever wondered why God made such a big deal about the sacrifices in the Old Testament, maybe you've been reading through Leviticus and you're like, man, why does he care so much about the lamb that's offered or the thing that is offered? This is why, because because he can't stand to have an imperfect sacrifice because he is faultlessly pure. And so the light that we're talking about here is God himself. God himself is the light. And with that, we mean that, that he has all-encompassing knowledge and he is faultlessly, faultlessly pure. This is God. Friends, I ask you, who could dare stand in his presence? Who could dare stand in his presence? He knows all things from from our most intimate secrets to our most uh, detestable sins. He knows. And he is so pure that not even a speck of imperfection can pollute him. Who could stand? Who could bear to stand in the light? But we said that gospel fellowship is lived in the light. So how do we get there? How can we walk? How can we live in the light? Let's keep reading. Verses 6 and 7. But if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There's another skill that I learned uh, as part of my basic training, and that's the skill of pacing my, my steps. So, so basically counting steps for, you know, a, a set distance so that we can know how far we've walked, right? So if, you know, we know we need to go that direction for this amount of, of distance, then we can, you know, count our paces and know how far we've gone. And so what they did is they set up, you know, stakes at 100 meters apart and they said, walk normally from one stake to the other, count your paces, and then you'll know how long it takes you, how many steps it takes you to go 100 meters on average. Here's the thing. We don't always walk on just normal ground, right? So they also had us do it in the middle of a thick forest. So, you know, you're, you have more paces when you're in the middle of a thick forest. So we get a baseline for just an open field. We get a baseline 
for uh, you know, a thick forest of how long it takes us to walk 100 meters. But then here's the other thing, is sometimes we can't walk uh, as soldiers in the daylight or in full moon. Sometimes we need the cover of darkness where we can't see anything, right? But we still need to move. And so they had us count our paces blindfolded. So they put us on that 100-meter stretch again and, and said, try as best as you can to walk in a straight line, okay? But here's the thing. Without fail, every time, every single one of us veered off course while we were blindfolded. Try as we might, we always went off course. I think if I, if I remember correctly, it took me about 50 paces to walk 100 meters, but if I was blindfolded, every 100 meters, I had to come back five paces. So, uh, you know, I knew that because because we would go off course every single time. Brothers and sisters, the same is true in our lives. Right? Look again at, at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. See, just saying that we have fellowship with God is not enough because when we are in darkness, when we walk in darkness, we will always go off course. If we're walking in darkness, that is living in ignorance of the things of God, conducting our lives based on our own desires rather than on the things of the Lord, seeking our own happiness over and above all things, valuing our own opinion more than what God says. If we do this, we are deceiving ourselves. If we do this while we say, I have fellowship with God, I'm right with the Lord, while we continue to walk in darkness, we're deceiving ourselves and we're lying to God. He is so perfect that, that we cannot be in the light while we live, while we walk, while we persist in darkness. See, mere words are not enough. Even if it's just self-talk, mere words are not enough. See, our lives prove our hearts. Look at the last part of the verse 6 there. Uh, we, we lie and do not practice the truth. Literally, we lie and do not the truth. Our actions are a lie in and of themselves. Because we're saying one thing with our mouths. We're saying, I, am, I have fellowship with God. We're saying, I am good with God. But our actions are constantly going this other way. Proving ourselves to be lying. The way that we live our lives betrays our mouths. And so... Uh, if, if just saying that we're right with God um, is not enough, then how do we walk the walk, so to speak? How do we walk the walk? Look again at verse 7. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sins. Spotlights can take on a few different roles. Can't they? Maybe when you hear uh, the term spotlight, uh, a couple different images come to mind. For me, a couple different images are, so the first one is, is uh, a prison scene, right? And, and there's the outside wall of the prison, and there's an escaped convict trying to scale the wall along, and then until, bam, spotlight on him, and he's captured, right? Maybe you're thinking of like one of those old cartoons, and then he tries to jump out of the spotlight, and it kind of finds him again, uh, that's what comes to mind for me. That's, that's one of them. The other one um, is a powerful singer standing in the middle of a stage surrounded by, 
I see what you did there, Danny. <laughs> Surrounded by adoring fans. Wait, this, this illustration just got weird. <laughs> uh, and, and all that, it's darkness except for the beam of light zeroed in on the singer. See, when we're walking in darkness, the light works more like the light of, on that convict that, that's highlighting the ways that we have strayed. That's what's happening when we're walking in darkness. That's what the, the light of God does. But when we walk with Jesus, when we walk with Jesus, the spotlight falls on him and brings God glory. Because that's what, that's what the light does. It brings God glory. Look at, look at how we walk in, in the beginning of verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light... As he, as Jesus, is in the light. Friends, we walk with Jesus. We walk with Jesus. And the only way to walk in the light is to walk with Jesus. We've already talked about how God is light and how he is perfect. See, if we want gospel fellowship, if our desire is to be made right with God and it's to be made right with one another, then we need Jesus. This is why Christmas is so absolutely glorious. Why it's so worthwhile going to tell it on the mountain. Because we see the light himself coming in to this dark world. And all that he lived for, everything he did, shone a light, put a spotlight on God and his glory. That was his very purpose. Because this is what the light does. It glorifies God. Which is why a key aspect to walking in the light is enlightening our ignorance about the things of God and what he's doing in and, and around us. When we're walking in the light, we're seeking to know more about who God is and what he's doing. That's why we spend time in his word. That's why we spend time in prayer, in his presence, seeking to know him more intimately. But this can only be made possible by the final phrase of the verse. Look at the end there. So we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. Our standing before God is only made, made possible when we have been redeemed. We've been cleansed from all of our sins by the blood of Jesus. And brothers and sisters, Jesus accomplished this when he hung on that cross. That was the purpose of it. He was the only true, spotless, perfect sacrifice that could ever cover our sins. He could ever shine his light and, and eliminate our darkness. So can you sit here today and know that you've been cleansed? It's only when we've been cleansed that we can walk in the light. But when we are, oh glory, we can trust in his cleansing work to carry us through to the end. We can. Because notice how it says, all sin, right? The blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from past sins, from present sins? No. 
from all sin, not just the past sin, not just current sin, all sins, past, present, and future. When we walk with Jesus, surrendering our lives to him, we are cleansed from all sin. And my prayer is that you will know that cleansing today. But if you don't, if you don't know that cleansing, would you come to him? Would you come to the light? Often we hear that phrase, we think it's the end. Oh, don't go to the light. No, it's not the end. But it is the very beginning of true, perfect, complete, all-encompassing, everlasting, never-ending joy found only in and through the Lord. To the glory of God. But notice that it doesn't say that we're going to be perfect. Walking in the light doesn't mean that we never sin. All we need to do is is keep reading to see that. Look at verses 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, so walking in the light doesn't mean that we never sin. It means that we keep short accounts with God and we keep bringing it back and we keep trusting in the cleansing work of our Savior. Bringing it back to him. Knowing that he is faithful to forgive. So walking in the light means leaning on Jesus to enlighten ignorance and cleanse from all impurity. Enlightening our ignorance about God and enlightening where we are walking in darkness so that we can correct our course and come back to walking in the light. Cleansing us from impurity once and for all so that we can dare to come before God and find complete joy in Him. Walking in the light means leaning on Jesus to enlighten ignorance and cleanse us from all impurity. And this ultimately leads to gospel fellowship. It leads first and foremost to being right in a right relationship with God. That vertical relationship we talked about. Enabling us, a sinful people, to come before a holy and perfect God. And it's from this space that, it's only from this space that we can see clearly. No longer walking in darkness. No longer aimlessly walking and trying to figure things out in and of ourselves. But seeing clearly. Because we are walking in the light. But throughout this whole chapter, there's another connection that John makes. It shows up first in verse 3. And that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we see it again here in our verse, in verse 7. It says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Right? The connection here is that we collectively have fellowship with God. Right? When we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we are united, we're connected to, we have fellowship with one another. And it's a glorious reality. It means that, that when we are right with God, we are held fast to one another also. And there's a special relationship amongst the people of God, because we are all walking in the light. 
It means that inasmuch as we are right with God, we are specially connected to one another. It also means, though, that it's possible to hang around here for a while, to get connected, maybe even be serving, but still feel like something is off. Why? Because you're not walking right with God. You're not walking in the light. And true gospel fellowship must be lived in the light. True gospel fellowship, being right with God, being right with one another, must be lived while we walk in the light. And friends, this has been the motivation behind our series on the one another's. Looking at what it means to have fellowship, fellowship with one another. Because fellowship with one another, as we see here in this text, is part and parcel of fellowship with God. They're they're conjoined together. And as we live this out, as we live in this gospel fellowship, the light of the world shines brighter and brighter still into a dark world, shining brighter and brighter until full day when Christ himself will physically return and ultimately even the sun will be done away with because we will be living in the glorious light that is God. I'm going to invite the band. You guys can come on back up so that we can respond to God's word by joining our voices together in musical worship to the God who is our light. He is indeed the endless light full of all-encompassing knowledge, and he is faultlessly pure. Friends, Let us look to Jesus and lean on him to walk in that light. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, loving Heavenly Father, we need you. Lord Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you to walk in the light to walk in gospel fellowship so that we might be enlightened of all ignorance and be cleansed from all unrighteousness. To you be all honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen.